and this this one guy comes up and he's like, I, I've, I've got a, a vision and it's me in a deer stand uh-huh. drawn back on my bow. Sexy. And my grandpa is behind me. Sexy. And Jesus is holding my hand about to pull the trigger. Ooh, whoa. Take the wheel. This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Leopold, American to the core. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. This is episode number 233. It's powered by DeerCast. It is. You're Tim Chelsvik. You're Matt Drury. And we are 100% wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like a Count Chocula laugh almost there. Uh, this show's titled Paint Us. <laughs> Who is that? Paint Us a Picture, Ryan Kirby. Okay, so we got Ryan Kirby. Okay. We got Ryan Kirby with us. What's up, Ryan? What's up, fellas? It's good to be here. Good to see you again. It's been a month and a half or so. Yeah. We we got to hang out I with know, Ryan man. at the Winchester Summit here in uh, Alton not long ago. Yep. The Talk- Winchester stuff was the last time. That was a good time. It's yeah. Hot, we, taught him, good. we taught him how to shoot a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> taught him how to yep. paint. <laughs> yeah. I need all the help I can get on both fronts. Yeah, I can right. tell you that much. So if, if you're living I'm under a rock, on both right yeah, now. if you're living under a rock, Ryan is, in my opinion, the modern, uh, he, he's the premier modern wildlife artist in the industry right now. And I'm not blowing smoke up your butt either. I mean, the, the quality of what you're putting out is second to none and, and, and realism. And I don't know the, the, the look that you had, cause you got a, a general look to your stuff and uh, it's just really, really good, good quality paintings and drawings. Even <laughs> you're a great follow on Instagram too, just to kind of check out what you're up to. So um, before we dive into kind of our housekeeping and, and all that stuff, um, I, I saw on your Instagram just a couple of days ago, did you get some stuff in, was it farm and home or? Yes. Yeah, tra- uh, tractor supply. Tractor supply. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty pumped about that, man. Um, we've actually been working, I've been working with elk, the company that, that represents me in tractor supply, uh, for a while now. And the thing, the thing that's crazy about the retail stuff is it works so far in advance. So like that stuff that's coming out now in the fall, we did that over a year ago and it takes a while for production approval, selection, all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's pretty cool. It's actually kind of a, a, a pleasant surprise when you get texts from buddies that you've got stuff in store. Cause it's like, man, I did that so long ago. I forgot about it. Good problem, we've got, we've got some home decor type stuff in there. Um, deer labs. I've been working on them to run some turkeys, but they're all about the chickens. So I got to keep working on them there. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have a fall on a spring line. I, you know, I, I would say what, Roy said to Pam in the office when he went to her art show, Ryan, your art <laughs> is the best art of all the art. Ooh, that's high praise from Tim, who's his own artist. Yeah. So, Ryan, I need you to, ju- you and I were going to have a draw off when we were at the Winchester yeah. Summit, and one of us chickened out, and it wasn't me, but I'm not going to say who it was. Yep. So, as yep. a as kind of a follow-up, Please rate this whitetail sketch and get, you know, just understand it took me like less than a minute to do this. Rate this whitetail sketch from, uh, from eight to 10. I'd like to rate it. What would you say that is? I can't see. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll rate it. Let me rate this thing. All right. So first of all, <laughs> scale eight to 10, I, I'm going to start with a one and here's why well, that's not part you're not playing by the rules. Eight I'm going to feel bad. I need constructive ten. compliments. I might give you constructive criticism. Oh, no. His legs look like wooden pegs. <laughs> it looks more like a decoy. It? I, it's impressionistic. I can't see it. You're not missing well, anything. It, it's impressionistic. I mean, it it's, maybe it's it's above its highbrow. It's Picasso quality. Thank you. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> if that gives you any yeah. idea, right? <laughs> You need to send it to New York and you could probably sell it for three times what I've <laughs> right. ever sold anything. Do you have people that ever yeah. like send you unsolicited stuff and say, hey, give me some pointers, rate my work? Just I, you. 
Oh, so yeah. what's the address? Yeah, no, no, no. No, I get DMs of that stuff on a daily basis. Mm. The only thing that outnumbers that is, will you draw my buck for me? And <laughs> will you paint my dog? I get that a lot. How do you get the dog to stand still long enough to... <laughs> seems like it'd be messy. I, <laughs> I just paint from a photo. Oh. I had, when I was in high school one time... I thought you were painting uh, the a dog. A woman asked me to paint a poodle. She, a woman asked me to paint her poodle that had uh, cancer. And I was in the mode where I was painting like labs and uh, GSPs and stuff like that. And this woman came up and asked me to paint her poodle. And I'm That's not, I'm not kidding you, man. That poodle looked rough. Ooh. It, it looked like it had been in a microwave. Oh, did you and, tell her that? Uh, <laughs> she wanted me to paint it. And I, I turned it down. I just couldn't do it. Wouldn't, it wasn't my style. I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> he, he's a wildlife artist slash he, he specializes in emaciated pets. I specialize in oncology pets. Cool. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you get you get asked stuff all the time. Um, you know, w- when I was going to the Turkey Federation show in Nashville is when I would get the best request because – it, you know, you know it's good when a guy comes up and says, "I got an idea for you to paint." And you're like, go. Oh God! Get Here the notepad go. out. Here we go. And this this one guy comes up and he's like, I, I, "I've got a, a vision, and it's me in a deer stand, uh-huh. drawn back on my bow, sexy, and my grandpa is behind me, sexy, and Jesus." Is holding my hand about to pull the trigger. Whoa. Take the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's good, but my, uh, I I don't, I don't really paint people. I don't do portraits. So anytime anybody sends me a request like that, it's like, I just don't do people. Yeah. If if you've learned anything from tattoo artists, faces are hard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you say you get that at the trade shows. We, I always would get, uh, I got an idea for a TV show. Ah, It's different. It's never been done before. <laughs> it's different. It's never been done before. It's about me and my wife yep. following along, but it's a real hunting public land. Nice. Like I'm always yeah. like, well, for the most part, you can't hunt on public land for profit despite what some do. Right. And I don't know how, I mean, they get permission, obviously I assume, but, uh, but by and large, you can't hunt on public or or federal ground for, for profit, uh, without special permits. And so that's usually the first thing. And then when it's me and my wife, it's like, well, there's Lee and Tiffany, there's Pat Nicole, there's Rick and Julie, there's Ralph and Vicky. There's, yeah, (laughs) we could go on and on and on. So there's always, there's always an idea. It's never been done, but typically it's been done a lot. (laughs) What I get the most of is, do you have permission to be here, young man? (laughs) You get that a lot? Do you Mm -hmm. have permission to be here? So when you're hunting? Usually, well, just anytime. (laughs) Oh. Parties. When you walk. Well, I can see that. (laughs) Stuff like that. I remember uh, when I had my first beer. (laughs) (laughs) We should should shout out our newest 100% Wild rack packers uh ryan are you in the rack pack on facebook the private page that we have for our followers i am not but apparently i've been missing out my whole life well just started not long ago three months but you are you are missing out you just you just search in facebook for the 100 percent wild podcast rack pack it's kind of long tim created (laughs) it this is tim's fault guilty and then there's some questions that you have to answer about like tim and i and the bulk of the one of the questions is who's the most handsome between matt and myself and hands down most dudes find matt more attractive see that's weird because really well that's not weird but it's weird it's weird that you like it (laughs) no it's not (laughs) not weird the weird part is <laughs> you can't get me, Tim. The weird, <laughs> the weird part is, people DM me and they're always like, "You're not gonna like the answer I just gave." Uh, <laughs> like, like, I don't even know what the question is. <laughs> I don't even I'm just work here, guys. <laughs> Look, I peruse the page from time to time. It comes up in my feed, but I try not to answer anything in there because I can't seem to figure out how to follow it on my public page and just my private page. Yeah, and it's so, probably against the rules. I, listen, I. 
as much as I love strangers, I don't want a bunch <laughs> of strange requests, friend requests on my private page because I just, it's literally just friends and family. Well, the weird part of all that is I don't even post on that page. I only post on the public page. So sure. I don't know. It's like, you're not missing anything. People quit friend requesting <laughs> me. I'm not posting anything on there. But he loves strangers. <laughs> <laughs> all that to say, I don't comment on the page, but I do read it all. But you will shout yeah. out our newest members. Oh, will I? Oh. <laughs> you love them. Yeah, that's right. So we have Brandon Lee. Uh, I wonder if that, like Bruce's son? I mean, there, I'm sure there's <laughs> no others. Okay. Wes Rutgers, Craig Hunt, Zach Cumbier. He's French. <laughs> now, now he is. He wasn't before. He Josh Thomas and Aaron Warren. I think the worst part of this is you making me read the names every week to butcher <laughs> these people's names. Like some of them get upset. Yeah. Yeah, they do. But they can get their money back if they need it. Yeah. So they can free. always make that. Yeah. And then uh, Jake Byerly, Byerly, um, said in Deercast, he says, well, another good show, Matt and Tim, like you guys' show. Sometimes it has good info. Other times, well, you know, just good humor. Hmm. And I'm being honest. So don't make too much fun of me. Laugh face. Sure, Jake. Just a tease for later on in the episode, but Jake will make another appearance later on in the show. Jake's a super user. Yeah, he is. All right. We like those. They participate. Uh, So, Ryan, you just shot me a text of a project that you're working on. You're getting carpal tunnel syndrome signing these bad boys. What do you got going? Well, what I was signing uh, today was the growth and maturity prints. Uh, we released that one a couple years ago and it's been a huge hit, but we actually have just, uh, we're about to release an anatomy print. So it's, it's, uh, kind of like, it's called the anatomy and physiology, physiology of a white tail buck. It's really, uh, just kind of an old school looking anatomy, Leonardo da Vinci type deep dive on white tail anatomy. So it it's I pretty cool, man, but it takes a long, long time fancy. to do so we're glad to have it ready. I talked over the What's top that? of you. Yeah. You know what it was? I got too comfortable and I started to get fancy. That's fancy. Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. I mean, that's high art there. Bro. I know. For that project, did I just you- dropped one of the Ninja Turtles on you. <laughs> also an artist. Um, <laughs> for that project, did you get to do any like hands-on dissection of of a white tail? Like, did you did you get to see any anatomy? That's what she said. You know, I had a, I had a a moral dilemma. I was actually about to finalize the project and deer season wasn't open again. And, uh, I chose not to go out and shoot a deer, but I thought about it. And I also thought about picking up some roadkill, but that is, those are two boundaries. I just didn't want to cross in life. I just, I feel like those are bad moral decisions that you start going down a deep, dark path. Yeah. If you start picking up roadkill and cutting it up. That's what Jeffrey Dahmer did. So, yeah. As a kid. I know. Just telling you, just saying. I would say, make sure you keep a meat (laughs) thermometer with you in your truck. Hmm. Just in case you decide to ride the line. Yeah. I just can't get away from it today. (laughs) But but we did. I mean, I've I've gutted and and skinned plenty of deer. In season, uh, you should have. I work with some of the... uh, What's that? I said in season, you should add. <laughs> yeah, in season with a tag on them that I did not uh, transport across state lines. There you go. But uh, I work with uh, Kip Adams and Matt Ross from uh, NDA. So those guys are like a wealth of whitetail knowledge. And then just relying on a lot of, you know, um, anatomy stuff. You know, the, the uh, deer, elk any of those I'm about to drop another term on you, but ungulates, any of those are all about the similar, similar anatomy. I feel like, yeah. so, um, has ungulate been a wildlife read world? a bunch of books? Huh? Oh no. Just having a private conversation here. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're pros. I know it's shocking. You guys are not sure that I can read, but I actually can. And so I read a bunch of books, um, and studied, actually I studied a lot leading up to this thing. More than I, I ever read. did in college. Picture books or mostly words? <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> well, you never heard of Dr. Seuss? Yeah, all the places you'll go. So if, if people are <laughs> yeah, yeah. if people are, if people are familiar with Deercast Track, the deer the deer model in Deercast Track is Ryan Kirby's. 
Yeah. Looks great. Yeah. That it, one was, that one is like a vector art, which is, is like a digital form. And so this one is a little bit more old school, like hand-drawn stuff. Sure. Like Da Vinci did. And man, it's actually fascinating because back in the day, you know, we, we approach these things with all the knowledge of anatomy and biology and things like that, that we had, but he was there. A lot of the books I read, they would string up a dead horse in a barn and like no joke, like they, they would hang it up and they would dissect it. And an artist would render the render it with the hide and then they'd pull the hide off and then they'd render it with the muscles, then cut the flesh off. And then they would do, the skeleton and internal organs and but you know before modern photography was invented that's how we learned anatomy is they would literally take it apart and an artist would sketch it and then they would reproduce that through uh through prints and so it's really fascinating to go back in some of these old school books and and when you think about it they had no idea how these organs or anything worked or moved but they were literally taking the animal apart and trying to figure it out as they went but before they had photography, before they had illustration, they had these artists that were actually hand drawing and painting. They had their own. And it was also before refrigeration. So if you can think about a dead horse strung up in a barn with no way to cool the meat, it was not a pleasant job. See the problem. Yeah. I got a neighbor that does that, but he's not, he's not drawing anything. Hmm. Is his That's name really- Jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> I think so. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I so, think you have to have a sign in your yard put there by the state <laughs> to do the kind of stuff. What was what was the impetus for for the anatomy project? Like, what were you trying to accomplish there? Well, we 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 really hit. We're trying to um, create some pieces that contribute to the atmosphere and the vibe of Hunt Camp. And we had such a good result from the growth and maturity. I was looking for a follow-up whitetail piece that just, you know, that kind of connects into that deep dive vibe. And it it really relates more to bow hunters than anybody. Um, Not to rip on gun hunters at all. That's how I grew up. But it's more the bow hunters I found that are super deep into this kind of stuff, like aging whitetail deer, um, you know, anatomy and shot placement and stain location and this and that and the other. And so we really wanted to create a, 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 a work of art that's also somewhat educational. Um, you know, there's facts in this print about like the top speed of a white-tailed deer, how the muscles are designed for speed and jumping. Um, you know, a lot of people don't don't realize it until you really get into it, but a white-tailed deer, his shoulders are not in a socket like our arms are. His shoulders are designed to go straight, and his back legs are the ones that pivot and jump. So that's why you can literally just, when you're quartering a deer cutting up, you can just slice that shoulder right off. But the back socket is supposed to go, it goes in a, in a joint because they're not really designed to move vertically on the front end. It's just straight speed. Sure. And it's the back legs that have to pivot and, and, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that you would, you wouldn't really think about. Um, like for example, one thing that, um, that I kind of knew, but never really thought about was the diaphragm of a deer. And I've, I've even heard Terry talk about it too. Um, and, and Mark, but you know, when a deer quarters, you have, you have the, uh, the ability to hit more than one angle versus a broadside shot. And they talk about it in deer cast too, but the diaphragm is important. And we've all cut through that diaphragm when we've gotten a deer, but you don't think a whole lot about it. If that diaphragm is punctured, the deer loses his ability to regulate pressure in his chest cavity. So that's why a quartering away shot is, is one of the best you can take in bow hunting. Cause not only can you get like, gut liver lung but you also cut through that diaphragm whereas a broadside shot you have more more lungs but you might not have other organs that you can hit as well so there's a lot of once you really deep dive into that thing man and you start going down that rabbit hole the hardest thing about creating a print like this and i'm sure you guys have run into it with deer cast too is like where do you stop like you know I can do a whole wallpaper in deer anatomy facts, but you have to really boil it down to the, the, the most important 
coolest, highest level stuff. Oh, I got an idea for you. Okay. What's up? So it's this hunting couple. This. Does it involve Jesus punching your bowstring? Yeah. And, and me, he's on public land though. Yeah. Without a shirt. <laughs> the deer knows. A whole deep dive without into the a deer shirt. nasal cavities. Mm, the nasal cavities. Interesting. Yep. Ooh. Ooh. Copyright, copyright. Yeah. Well, that looks like the face yeah, of a man who's impressed. That would be one I would, I would have to... I would have to take a deer to do the anatomy on that. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah. So you were you were talking about would you the, would you hold things open for me if I needed to sketch it? Would you would volunteer that. for that? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. You would? Yeah. Okay. I'll help out. Just it just furthers okay. my art. Mm. So your art plus my art is <laughs> that's two art. It's good. Two arts don't make a right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You know, you know what we need to do, Tim, is I've seen this before where you'll take like a reference photo of a of whatever, and one artist will draw one half and the other will draw the other in like their own unique oh, style. Man. And you and I should do that. Yeah. A poodle and a buck. That'd be cool, man. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And people like have to you, guess who did when which. When you order that. Yeah. You, when you have to, uh, I think there's like an infomercial where they said, are you an artist? And you could go in and you could get the book. I could draw the turtle. And you, they would the like umbrella. give you half of a pirate face and you have to draw <laughs> yes. the other half. Yes. You're being very disparaging. <laughs> that commercial comes right before the one where they ask you if you've ever had an idea for an invention. Or for a TV show. <laughs> right. All comes back to that. Yeah, it's the guy carving the stone wheel. <laughs> yes. Cartoon. Yes. Yeah. You uh, you talked about the <laughs> the angles there, t- and Terry. Yeah. We literally just did a podcast with Terry talking about that exact thing. Quartering last week away. Yeah. Broadside. How how he prefers the quartering away shot. Yep. It literally just just yep. hit this in the last podcast. So. And the wildlife word this week is about whitetail anatomy. Ungulate. Ungulate. <laughs> they have multiple chambered stomachs and, and cloven hooves. You know, Ryan but, isn't only a great artist. He's a great hunter. And we should say that he's got a resume. Well, he's a decent hunter who got lucky. It's the type of hunter well, that I would stretch. love to be. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about your Killed big buck last 200 year. and two inch deer that then went 207 later that night. <laughs> Let's hear about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, 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 to, to start with, those are all um, massive over exaggerations. And which part? When we, so I grew up in Illinois. My parents have uh, 150 acres there that we farm, corn, soybeans, and wheat. My whole childhood was like Dairy Queen and Casey's Pizza, you know, that whole deal. Yeah, sounds pretty good. Um, my dad was a farmer. Mom was a postmaster. What's that? I said, sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It was great. And then I moved after college. I moved to South Carolina to work for the Turkey Federation. And I've actually been... Uh, man, I've been south of the Mason Dixon for like almost 20 years now. Mm. It's kind of crazy. Um, but we've, I've bought some land up there. Uh, me and a buddy have bought a couple farms. We own three farms now. We're about to sell one of them. Um, but anyway, I, I go back every year to hunt the rut and it's, it's gotten harder as we've gotten little kids, you know, we've got a five-year-old boy and two-year-old girl and just all the stuff of growing a business and this and that and the other. So anyway, I, I tend to isolate my deer hunt really to the rut in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And last year got up there and I actually think, you know, my, like you guys try to keep things light and fun all the time. And I feel like my hunting has, has gone more that direction. Like I used to just be massively serious and so into it and, you know, would drive all night and then get in a deer stand at 5 a.m. and hunt the whole rest of the day without sleeping and stuff like that. But it's, you know, life's gotten so busy and everything. Now I kind of take a step back and just try to really enjoy myself. And I actually brought my whole office with me last year and worked. So last year it was, we had a huge heat wave come through the Midwest early November. And it was like in the upper seventies for a few days in a row. 
So what I would do is I'd sleep in in the morning, I'd work in the morning, and then I'd go out and hunt the evenings. And we had a deer show up the year before, and he still was hard horned. He had his antlers at the end of March. And he was like probably a 170 class. He just moved in in March. We didn't have him all season. And really that second year, we had no idea he was there. He, we had gotten pictures of a big deer the year before, but I had no pictures of him that year. And I'd hunted one of my other farms for two days. And then the third day, like I said, slept in the morning, worked all afternoon, got in the stand at like two. And it was so hot. It was 70 something degrees. I had, um, had the, the FS guy come in and spread nitrogen all over the field in front of me. And I was like waving to him from the deer stand. It was one of those deals where like I was on the edge of the field and he was almost eye level, you know, (laughs) driving past. And I didn't really think, I didn't really have high expectations for the night, but, um, about an hour before dark, I heard a, a like a deep, long grunt, like a deep in the woods. And I grunted to it, grunted back and forth at it a little bit, but didn't think a whole lot of it. And it was still early, but about, um, about a half an hour before dark, I had had a, a year and a half or come through a doe behind me drinking in the creek, a couple does on the edge of the field. And I heard that, I heard that buck do that long, low grunt three or four times throughout the night. And so about half an hour before dark, I rattled a little bit and and grunted a few times. And I was up high on the edge of the field. And it's the way it works is you pop up in the edge of the field and on a Northwest wind, it's coming right across blowing back behind you into the timber, Mm -hmm. which you would think is bad, but there's a, 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 like a ridge that comes up to you and it's 25 feet up in a cedar tree. So you're, you're actually blowing over the deer. And it's, it works out perfect because the deer feel like they're entering the field with the wind in their face, but you're so high above them that it blows right over them. And I've never been busted out of the stand. And right before dark, like you could just tell this deer was not going to be in this bean field before dark. So right before dark, I hear footsteps coming up over the ridge and I put binoculars on them. I can tell it's a big deer, but we've got that bush honeysuckle, which you guys have. Mm-hmm. It's thick, leafy, green. He's coming through that. And all I could really tell was he had a, he had a big beam, heavy beam. He had a lot of mass and he was big. And I made the decision to shoot him, got my bow and he stepped out of the honeysuckle and I was already drawn on him. And I shot him at probably, I don't know, eight or 10 yards <sighs> and um, arrow hit. He ran off, looked like a good hit, felt like a good hit. He ran off and I heard him crash like 60 yards away. But I went ahead and got down out of the stand, went back and got my dad. And we both came back and got him and and walking up on him. I mean, I, I thought and to be perfectly transparent, like, like I am not Mark Drury. My standards are literally four and a half or older, you know, probably 150 and up 160 and up from there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to, to shoot a 200, we didn't know he was there. We didn't have any pictures of him, wow. had no idea what the deer had grown into. And he put on about 30 inches <laughs> in here. So huge deer. Um, his, his, he's got huge beans. His, his biggest base measurement was his last one, his fourth one. So he carries his mass way out. Um, uh, just a, a great deer. Some neighbors came over, that uh, helped us get him out. And we, we scored him at like 202 and then had a few beers. And I think I made a math error and got to 207. <laughs> and then, like I was telling you guys, I put some tape on him the next day and the tape ran out. So we, uh, I'm still, I've got his, uh, his mount coming. My, my studio is here in Boone, North Carolina. And that's where I'm at right now. And I've got a really cool pedestal mount. He's going to go on top of a whiskey barrel. Uh, here in my studio. So I'm looking forward to getting him back, but it was just a cool hunt, cool story. And it's, it's, uh, it's really awesome to shoot him on my parents' place. So that was a a special moment. I'm sure walking up with your dad, that was probably the most special part of the whole thing. It's like, yeah, I, which, you know, I, I can relate to that. It's just a cool to be able to go recover them together. And, you know, it's a neat, that's a neat feeling or memory that you guys get to cherish. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I, like I said, I didn't know exactly what he was. We didn't have pictures of him. Um, so it was kind of a surprise and I'm the ultimate, I don't know if he was big enough. Like after the shot, I'm always second guessing. Should I let him walk? Is he big enough? Yada, yada, yada. But I, when I went home, my dad was like, well, what'd you shoot? I was like, I don't know, but he's big. He's like, well, you think he's this Think he's that how big I was like, dad, I don't freaking know, but he's big. I knew he was big. And there was like, from the moment I let the arrow go, there was no doubt. Like this is the biggest deer I've ever shot, but still to walk up on him and see the, the mass is the coolest thing about him and to walk up and just hold that rack. I'll, I'll never forget. The other thing is it was hot. I mean, it, like I said, it was 77 degrees that day and I'll never forget walking in there sweating and it just, it, it, it goes to show that like, you just never know when it's going to happen, yeah. you know? And, and it was a night that I felt like nothing was going to happen. And even before I shot him, I'd already kind of chalked it up and I was like, oh, I'm a wonder where I'm going to sit tomorrow. Wonder when it's going to get cold. You know, your mind starts wandering. You've kind of chalked up the night and, um, and then it happened. It happened quick. You know, that's, it's interesting you say that. Cause I got an email maybe last week and the, the guy was like, Hey, I took my vacation already. And, um, and now it's getting here and Deercast is saying that it's going to be, um, poor and okay. Should I hunt or not hunt? And so I replied to the guy, I said, uh, to be honest with you, I mean, if that's your vacation, I think you got to go, but you just play the wind, you know, make sure you're smart about where you're hunting, but I think you got to go. Yep. And, uh, so then he replied, so deer cast doesn't work. <laughs> so uh, you're gotcha. telling me deer cast, <laughs> you know, you're telling me not to listen to deer cast. I said, no, I'm just saying that if you only have so many days to hunt, I think you, you do? got to hunt, yeah. you know what I mean? Just be smart about where you're going, but mm-hmm. you got to go. And, and that's and temper your expectations. Yeah. The rea- reality is exactly what you just laid out. You, you, I mean, you might think, you know, but you know, that time of year, especially that you're talking about anything can happen, you know, it really, you know, yep. moon might suck or the temperatures might uh-huh. be too hot, but the reality is that time of year, anything can happen. And that's why some people who don't get a ton of time to hunt, love the rut. And that's why guys that hunt, you know, early, in the season, late in the season, they hate the rut because that's when something they're usually targeting could get killed yeah, by somebody all, else that just got there, right. you know? So it's all relative to what you, what kind of time you have on your hands, but you know, that, that you prove the point that sometimes you do got to go just, you know, you, you played the wind, right. Based on what you're saying. And it was kind of a situation where you couldn't hardly do any harm to your spot. So what the hell give it a shot. Yeah. And you're also talking about something that I think hunters struggle. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I'm just going to say the two biggest deer I've ever shot were on nights like that. One was warm and had a 20 mile an hour South wind. The other was warm. Now, if, if I had to choose, I'd rather have deer cast tell me it's great all the time, but I'm like, we were talking about Winchester earlier. Like I've got, clients i've got kids i've got all that kind of stuff and i I typically have a window and i have to choose that window you know i am self-employed so i can move it a little bit but for the most part i've got a window of time where i can go all in and i I'm, i'm gonna hunt there you know during that window no matter what yeah yeah and it's it's hard for I think it's hard for us as hunters to live in the moment, like to not be thinking about, Oh, okay. What am I going to do tomorrow? Or, and, and you miss out on enjoying like what we're doing is, is incredible. We're fortunate to get to do this. And we sometimes get too caught up in, I need to move the stand over there. Like there's always something to do that takes our, our focus off of the here and now. But yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to, be thankful and and live in the present. I think all three of us can relate to this. We all have young families, young kids. And it's, I always said, as, as my kids would grow up, I wouldn't miss the important stuff because of hunting, which is what was, what dad and Mark always did. You know, it was always hunting first because they were trying to build the company. And I always said, okay, I'm going to try to do it a little differently and be present. And I find myself even like this week, 
the best cold front, the best two days to hunt are two days that we have family things going on. It's like, you know, I internally struggle with this quite a bit. It's like, I made this promise to myself that I wouldn't do this. You know, Sunday was another good example of, of a chance to go, but my mom had a big Halloween party. She throws every year. The kids love it. She loves us being there. You know, it's like there's certain things you just shouldn't miss. And the reality of it is, you know, sometimes like I'm looking at today, it's just okay to go. Might be a little sliver of good there towards mm-hmm. the end of the night. We're going to go because it's the, the day I can go. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I'd love to go on these greats. And by and large, I try to pinpoint the greats and, and, and goods and go sure. on those days. But sometimes your con your schedule is conflicting. So ultimately you still got to do it when you can. Yeah. It's relative to your life. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a great tool to help, but you still got to make your own calls. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. all right, Ryan, you're about I to found too, like with the... what's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I found too. I, I mean, I have, I've gotten, like I said, way more relaxed with my hunting now. Um, I found too uh, that sometimes I, I have more success if I don't push as hard. And that's kind of like a metaphor for life in general. But, um, you know, I, I feel like some of the reasons that I really have good hunts in November is like, I literally haven't been there yet. I haven't, I haven't been tempted to push it too hard in October and blow something out of there or screw anything up. But I, I don't know. I feel like I, I do better if I just say, you know what, these marginal days, screw it. I'm not even going to worry about it. But when it's right or when it's the rut or when I've got time to go, I'm going to go all in there. And I feel like, I feel like I do a little bit better. I feel like I probably kill more deer than if I had unlimited time to hunt. And I would just, I'd probably push it too hard is what I'm saying. Get fancy. Mm-hmm. Ryan, are you a handheld guy or a wrist release shooter? Uh, I shoot a wrist release. That's a wrist release guy too. Yeah. Well, I've tried the handheld thing and it doesn't go well for You're me. A little spooky. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be standing anywhere near me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> You punch yourself in the face. I just, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not that good of an archer to be able to use that thing. And that's just the reality of it. And for me, even the handheld, like you have this, this new one from true fire in front of us, but the, I, I like the caliper release, you know, and that's just the one I'm used to. I think the one I use is called the smoke maybe, but I just like that style. It's what I grew up with. And you know, I know a ton of, you know, yeah, I know a ton of guys that love the handheld and and obviously a lot of the great archers use handheld, but Mm -hmm. it scares the crap out of me. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, it's not fixed necessarily, but (laughs) it's not. What brain is that, Matt? I I shoot the true fire personally. Um, Okay. I need to get a new one. Rhett, my five-year-old, he lost my other one. Uh, Don't you love it? I've got to get a new one. Yeah. I, I like What's the true that? fire. I think it's called the smoke. I'll, have to, I'll look it up on their website and send you a link. Uh, yeah. Okay. So here today we have the true fire hardcore max. And, and so this is a wrist release and it's, I mean, what you notice about it right at the top is that it's got this sweat back trigger here to kind of help you avoid punching the trigger. Um, and, and then it's also like, it's a little different than a caliper release and that it's got this kind of hook that, you know, once you actuate it, it Which just opens up. Is that's kind of like a handheld, right? In that regard, that also that have that same mechanism there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which I tend to like, I feel like there's less friction on the D loop when you release, there's not like a partial release. It's just, it's an all or nothing. Sure. So I, I tend to really like it. And, and some guys like it also because it's a little easier to hook it on the D loop in the kind of the moment of truth, instead of trying to find it with the caliper and make sure it opens. And I will say that can get, especially if you're hunting a a blind, you know, it's the last 15 minutes or whatever, the first 15, like it can be hard to find that D loop from time to time. That's a tent that can be a tense moment. So I could see where this would be advantageous for sure in that regard. Yep. So, so it's, it's, you know, the the buckle is well padded and everything. So you can cinch it down as tight as you want to, but then also like, like most wrist releases, you can change the length of the stock there to fit your draw length and everything. And the other thing is the head pivots a little bit. It's got, it's got a little bit of, 
like back and forth to it. I wonder why that is or what's the functionality of that. Yeah, I, I think that it helps kind of, it helps you kind of achieve really good alignment when you come back to full draw. Like no oh. matter what position your hand is in or your okay. wrist, it's going to kind of compensate. Kind of pre prevent some torque. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Maybe so. I do need that then. <laughs> <laughs> Give her a shot. Give her a shot. But yeah, that's the that's a True Fire Hardcore Max release. Yeah. So pretty cool. Fully adjustable trigger tension, um, all that kind of stuff. Like it's you can dial it into whatever you want. But it's a nice release. Thanks, Tim. Thanks yeah, for no problem. show and tell today. I like that. By the way, I, I can't I don't have video here, so I can't see this, but will you please tell me that Tim is doing like a fan of white? Like an infomercial. Oh, he is with he, his hands, his dainty wrists. Is he? <laughs> yeah, you should see how far this yeah. thing's cinched down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I had to create new, a new hole on the buckle. That's what she said. For my small you wrists. You have to take an ice pick and poke another hole for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the skinny oh. kid with a belt. You he's think a, he's yeah. a waif for all that working out he does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> work on wrist exercises, yeah. Tim. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one to talk, but I am right now. Okay. Should we so, help somebody today? Let's let's do that. So here is our super tease from earlier in the show. All right. So the question of the day is proudly brought to you by Leopold, ruggedly American and relentless to the core. All right. We got it from Jake Byler. So I hunt on a 230 acre property. And how we got a hold of that property was we put fence around part of it for cows. It was CRP that came out of contract with Missouri State. The agreement between us and the landowner is that the landowner's grandsons and son and some of the relatives come out and hunt. They hunt the south part of the property and we hunt the north part. I am more into managing for bigger bucks. They seem to shoot anything that moves or smaller bucks. And what is a good way to approach them about managing big deer because knowing that um, how they relate to shooting deer and stuff like that. I mean, how would you approach them and encourage them and ask them if they would pass on smaller deer? And on the other hand side of that is usually they just have hunters there on opening weekend of gun season out of state. And so, yeah, I'm kind of looking for some answers and what would you guys recommend? <laughs> Jake was being kind there, I think, and trying to be very uh, politically correct. And I understand his dilemma. Um, that's a real tough position to be in. And it's probably one of the hottest hot button topic in hunting. And I think, you know, you got to start with trying to educate without offending. Mm -hmm. And uh, because the reality of it is, especially if they're coming in out of state and it's for a tradition, it's gun. It means hunting means something differently for them sure. than it means for you. <clears throat> you know, it means for you. So I think the reality of it is, is all you could do is try to lay out your case the best you can and help educate them in a friendly, you know, uh, trying to kind of hold their hand and bring them along type of stuff. It might help if you actually had evidence like from the, that farm where it's like, Hey guys, this year, last year, there's pictures of him. And this year, look what he yeah. grew into. If we do that and maybe let a few more go, you know, we can really do something special here. I think that's about the only way you can approach it without offending them because what you don't want to do is lose your spot because obviously that family's first, you know, and you're an sure. outsider. So yeah. they really aren't going to take kindly to an outsider. Listen here. Yeah. Giving them a pointing a finger in the Give chest the and saying for. you screwed up. And the reality of it is you may never totally convince all of them, but if you could slowly and surely get a a few of them on board. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the younger generations that you go after that then they're convincing their fathers or grandfathers or uncles to try to get on board with the project. Maybe that's an approach you take, but yeah. that's a tough, that's a real tough one to go after. Right. Whoa. Ryan's got a, another guest there. I got a special guest. Oh. Got my own little van of white. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what'd you think about uh, yeah, Jake's question? Man, I, um, I've been on both sides of that as, uh, hold on just a second. Sure. Come on, Brooklyn. I got Brooklyn, my little girl here. This is exactly what my life was like um, to do podcast during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been on, on both sides of that is sort of, um, the, uh, 
the the young guy trying to get in, get permission, um, and also more the landowner. Um, so I've got I've got three main points. Uh, the first thing is you need to buy the growth and maturity of the whitetail buck. Boom. For Christmas. We didn't even plan uh, that. I don't that's think. A way, uh, it's not in the script, at least. <laughs> that's, I, I got to plug my sponsors. Uh, that's a way for... Um, <laughs> sorry, it's you, okay. You got life happening there. That's <laughs> the way it goes. No, it is. You have to delicately um, educate I think the best way always to do that is to do that through delivering and through example. So the best way is for you to show up with a, you know, maybe a three and a half or four and a half year old deer. It sounds like that place gets pounded and that might be the best you can do, but, you know, talk to them about, well, you killed a big deer. Well, yeah, I watched him last year and the year before, and then he grew into this and they're going to have to experience a little bit of that for themselves. Um, the second thing is the only way to solve this problem for good is to have your own piece of property. It, you know, you gotta, you gotta lock it up. And that might be, you know, I've bought three farms now and you'd be surprised how you, how affordable that can be if you do it right and you really work hard and you dig into it. And you know, as long as, as long as you're not paying the tax bill on the thing and paying the payment, your opinion doesn't really matter. Yeah. And, and that sucks, but that's kind of where you're at. So you have to go, like Matt said, really delicately about it. Um, but the third piece of advice that has helped me a lot, and it came from my, my buddy, Dave Enkin, who has killed everything there is with a recurve. He's an amazing taxidermist in Illinois, and he's killed probably more big things than anybody I know, except for Mark Drury. <laughs> and his advice is it's just a freaking deer, <laughs> you know, like, Sometimes as hunters, we will destroy relationships. We will destroy neighbors and we'll get so worked up over a deer. And I get it. I've been there before too. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of times we have to check our attitude. Is it worth, I've I've seen friendships destroyed and guys never talk to each other again over a deer. Mm. And, you know, we grow more deer every day. Um, So I, I just... I, I would just check my passion level and intensity level when I'm around them and when I talk to them. And then in the meantime, I'd save my money and I would try to go find someplace else and someplace that I can control, even if it's a 20 acre piece. Yeah. So, yeah. And it may take you 20 years to, to save up to, to get to that point and get the down payment, but it is, uh, that, that is your ultimate control. Right. <laughs> so tough to get yeah. to that point, but it can be done. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go, Jake. Thanks for asking the question. And and when you guys submit questions and we use them on there and you hear them, shoot me a message after the fact with your, with your mailing address and uh, we'll shoot you a deer cast hat. Awesome. And now the wildlife word it's brought to you by tracker off-road powerful and dependable side-by-sides to get you to your buck and back. I made that up. <laughs> The, all right, here we go. With Much some like the wildlife word. Continue. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the larynx. Yeah, that's not a real word. <laughs> the, the larynx is responsible for whitetail vocalizations and is made of... Fake news. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> Continue. A, high-density hair. B, bone. C, fatty tissue. Or D, cartilage. Or E, fingers. All right, Mr... Uh... Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you got? So hot. Mr. Leonardo. You're up. <laughs> I would say, well, I'd say it's cartilage. There might be some bone in there. We didn't really get that deep into there, but I'd say cartilage. What is it? D. That's what I was going to go with. Cartilage. D. You're right. Cartilage. Yeah. Is that the correct answer? That's right. Don't act surprised. You might have actually cool. just sold an extra poster. Whoa. <laughs> This guy knows what he's talking about. He is a real Leonardo DiCaprio. It's awesome. So he got the joke. Yeah. So Ryan, if people want yeah. to purchase any of the awesome Ryan Kirby artwork, where do they go? Uh, RyanKirbyArt.com or, you know, some of the stuff is also ex- exclusive to tractor supply too. So the signs and everything, but we'll be telling people where to go to get that stuff. 
Um, uh, just follow me on Instagram at Ryan Kirby art is the best way to go. And then we'll also be posting some stuff on DeerCast, So be sure to check that out too. too. Perfect. Sounds like a threat. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you jumping on with us, man. We know you got a busy life and, uh, and, and we're just happy for all the success that you've gotten over the years. It's well-deserved. And I, I meant, what I said in the end, front end of the show. Very talented and, and we're proud to call you friends. I appreciate it, man. Same here. Feelings are mutual. All right. Well, let's give each other a hug and end the show. Right. <laughs> Fist bump. <laughs> Boom. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time. See thanks, Ryan. See ya. Peace out. Temperatures are going to be dropping. Perfect conditions for the skinny field. I got to focus on those afternoon hunts. Northwest Tree Stand, 5 p.m. It's the easiest decision you'll make this season. Get ahead of your game with DeerCast. Thanks. Thanks, you guys buddy. still there? Yeah, we're here. Are you still there? Yep, yeah, there. sorry. I, you know, I, I stupidly was asking you to judge this deer. Matt, can you start our video up now and see if that, that works? That you can't see. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, it's just, it's just a black screen. Yeah. Matt, are we on what video now? You can see us? No. <laughs> You're not missing anything. I mean, you can text you a picture of it. It's yeah, not great. It looks it's like pretty good. Looks like what you drew at the Winchester Summit. Well, what I'm not sure of is if the legs are backwards. I can never remember because the knee is weird on whitetails. God needs to fix Oh, that. yeah. Hard. Yeah, you may, knees you are hard. You something funny? Yeah. Yeah. You want to show you something funky that'll help you? Please. You're a runner. Do you have so a you stencil? Yeah. So, so here is what I what I learned. This on a deer is the is the equivalent of our foot. So like this whole back thing here. Oh heck. So this is the Achilles our Achilles tendon. Okay, yeah. That's the foot bone, and this is our toes. So the knee makes sense. This now. would be where your this would be where your calf is. Yeah. And this is like the hamstring. So look at this as basically an elongated foot and it'll make sense. Jeez. Are we still rolling Matt? If we are, this should be our post. This is the tag. Yeah, this is it. This is great. That's awesome. Unless yep. we can't show anybody this yet. No, you can show it, man. All right. Okay. Well then I should put it in the show. That's, That's pretty cool, man. What's flying out of its butt? The poop. No, that's the diaphragm. That's the section on the diaphragm. Mm, be cool. And then there's, there you go. <laughs> there's gut shot. There's muscles. Did you know that Matt Drury and a deer's neck can swell up to 50% due to <laughs> testosterone? I, I knew my head certainly can. <laughs> Actually, that's mean, Ryan. You shouldn't have said that. I'll be honest. Take that back. I don't think this is very complete until you put poop on it. Yeah, we need a, s s a I, can, I, can, I can get Brooklyn back out here and I can rub a little bit on yours, Matt. <laughs> Dude, that'd be perfect. We'll make it work. Little kids and poop. <laughs> perfect. Jeez. We're adding new videos every week, so make sure to click that subscribe button and check out all of our amazing content. This episode of DOD TV was brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's.